Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120. KMOX. Welcome in, Michael Calhoun. And Travis Sheridan. And we're doing uh, this week's show on location, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we're, uh, we're doing the show from the church basement this week. I don't, I don't think we've ever done a show from the church basement. Uh, and I know before the show, you were asking, it's St. It's Matthew's, I believe, uh, over in, right outside Cherokee. And you were asking, well, is that Catholic? Is it Episcopalian? I'm thinking it's about hip hop. Like that's, that's the re- religion of this, of this space now. Oh, yeah. Love the tin ceiling and these cool shuffleboard, you know, inlays and the floors here. Awesome space in the basement of this church. We're going to talk about this space, the fellowship, and then we're going to talk about the new 311 app that's out from St. Louis County. If you have a pothole in your street, there's a new technology way to uh, submit those claims. There's also conversation coming up about Missouri potentially being a, a top 10 technology state. And then we're going to go to West County Center and we're going to check out a new store at the mall that brings some of those cool gadgets you might find in Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Uh, they, br- they bring it to the mall so you can actually try them out and test them out before you purchase them. But first, why are we here? We're here because uh, St. Louis has a huge music culture. I don't know if, I mean, I hope our listeners know that. And if they don't, they'll know it after this show. But we're here with Darian Wigfall. Uh, he's part of the Farfetched. Uh, it's a music collective in St. Louis. And they've recently acquired uh, this beautiful church, like I said, outside of Cherokee called The Fellowship. And uh, Darian, tell us what you guys are doing with this space now. And thanks for being here. So yeah, we, uh, we are leasing this space basically as a music venue. Um, but right now we're more running it as a rental hall and a community space, um, renting it out to people that want to do events here and things like that. Um, but still what we attract is people that want to do things around art and music because of our connection to the Farfetch Music Collective. How did you find this space? How did you know you wanted to start a space like this? How did this come about? Yeah, so uh, Jason Deem actually bought this church in 2014, and I think he's had a few events here. We, uh, as Farfetch, had a secret party here last June, and after that, we sort of had a conversation about, well, I thought, you know, y'all would be a great organization to run this as a venue, and kind of went back and forth and ended up me doing it sort of as a solo venture, but backed by Farfetch and Larry Morris of uh, Ilphonics. And what kind of things have happened here so far? What kind of events have gone on? I, as Michael mentioned, there's some really cool like travertine uh, shuffleboard embedded in the ground from the old church basement. How are people using the space? Yeah, so I would love to get a buffer for these uh, shuffleboard pieces. But right now, what it's been used for is like community potlucks. We've had uh, the AKAs had a brunch here to celebrate their centennial um, and we've had Flow Jam here, which is acrobats and, and hula hoops. We've had a New Year's Eve party that was really uh, well received. It was something that was free because typically, you know, you have to pay $50 or $60 to get in. And so we just had it free where we had vendors and people could sell their wares and things like that. Um, we've had a beach show called The Link Up that Farfetch puts on. Um, we've had a church that comes in here and does a service, like it's kind of an alternative service with hip hop and like a live band and things like that. Um, Yeah, there's pretty much anything you can think of. We've probably had something similar to that here. 
uh, and how important are spaces like this to the community as a whole? Uh, to have a space that's flexible, open, and can really be a canvas for somebody to create. I think it's ultra important. I think r running, and I know as running a music collective, we always needed space to do what we wanted to do as far as performing music, but a lot of our artists also are visual artists, so they wanted to hang paintings or you know, have a stage presentation that maybe at a venue didn't necessarily want us to have all of the things, whether that be incense or a flag or whatever. And now we have a space that's a blank slate that we can pretty much put up and pull down whatever we need to to make the experience what we want for the people that are coming in but then also for the community to have space because I what I keep hearing is people are walking down the street from their house to the events that are happening here and then they find out oh I can rent this space now I want to have an event here so we had a black vendor market here last Saturday which a lady just came to a fashion show that was upstairs and she figured out that she could rent it and then we had a little conversation and then she had her own little vendor market. So um, what I'm finding out is that people need space outside their homes to do things and I think it's ultra important for them to have that, especially in a, in a place that's walkable like the Cherokee Street area. Yeah, you see the stage here, you might think, okay, so there are shows here, where can I go to find out when the tickets are for sale? But it's really cool that this is, this is a community-driven yeah. space, and it's not where you come to observe and take in. You come to interact, you come to learn, and you come to, to meet new people, it seems like. Right. That's exactly what's happening, and that's sort of a byproduct of what we do. I, I initially thought we would have to put on more shows, but the community response has been that, oh, I want to do something here. Now I want to do something here. Now I want to do something here. And our plan always was to do one in every four shows, because uh, getting advice coming into a music venue from people at 2720, shout out to Josh Loyal, um, he was saying you have to decide how much of the programming you want to do before you go in so that you don't run yourself ragged trying to do all of the shows and trying to do every single show show every single weekend. So I thought uh, a quarter of the programming would be manageable for all the things that we're doing with my partners being very busy. Um, but it just so happened that the community decided to fill in that other 75% really easily. So uh, Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned Farfetch a couple of times. Um, it's not really a music label, it really is a music collective. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. And then uh, Darian and I have had a chance to talk a couple of times about their really cool business model for Farfetch'd, which is you could act, if you like their collective and you like all these artists, you could subscribe and just get all the new music that comes in. And so my little shout out to Farfetch'd, y'all subscribe to that because it's always good music all the time. So talk a little bit about what you're doing with Farfetch'd. Sure, thank you. So yeah, the Farfetch'd Music Collective was founded in 2011 by Damon Davis. I came in around 2013. I uh, had my own music label with uh, another artist that I brought in to the music collective um, at that time. And so we've been running since then. And basically it's like a socialist take on a record label. So there's not a lot of money that's being passed through, but there's a lot of knowledge being shared and a lot of opportunities being passed to people. Whereas if we were trying to do these things individually or as, as a group just on our own, I don't think a lot of the momentum that we've had in the, in the years past would have happened. So we saw, I think Damon Davis was making a lot of projects with people like Cave of Swords and Adult Fur and uh, Lika Sh uh, Shubatidzi and Scrub and things like that. And he was saying that 
wh why am I making all these different projects in different places and going to all these different people's houses when I could all have them come to my house, we can produce the music all here and then maybe even produce a collective piece. And so that's what uh, Farfetch was born out of. And they ended up making a, a compilation called Prologue, which we put out every year. Uh, we just made the eighth one um, in this January and working on the ninth. And so basically what it is is a platform for artists to come in, get knowledge and understanding of the music industry, build their brand and have a overarching brand that ha gives them some credibility in the town and starting to get some credibility nationally, I think, too, and internationally. So it's cool to hear about incubators, organizations, spaces, groups that, that help people who've got great ideas, great passion, great talent, and they just aren't familiar with how whatever industry it is works. And so it sounds like this is really awesome for musicians who, who are like, where do I begin to figure out? Yeah, and it provides them a platform, right? Like, it doesn't matter what your business is. If, uh, if the West County Mall has a store for people that are doing Kickstarters and Indiegogos, that's a platform to get those products in front of more people. Uh, Darren, talk a little bit about the platform side of Farfetched. Sure, yeah. So the platform is more of our digital distribution and the marketing side of things. So what we do is, with the compilation that we put together every year, it's usually a look back at what artists have done in the past year or look forward to some of the pro projects that are coming up. So we use that as sort of a marketing tool to say, hey, look for this song from this artist, uh, specifically maybe like Good For You from Katera, um, where we put it on our, our prologue eight this year, but she also has a project called Coco Voyage coming out later this year, which that will be the single for. So um, we use our website, our Bandcamp, and then our distribution through uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and things like that to help these artists get a, a name through our name and then also get the splits that they need so that we don't own the rights to their music. They always own the rights, but if, they, if, we, put it, if we sell it through our platform, we might take a percentage of the sales. And uh, let me see. I I don't. I couldn't remember how many bands are part of Farfetch, but how many different artists do you have in the collective? Yeah, it fluctuates from time to time. Um, yeah, exactly. The nature of artists and, and creative differences and things like that. Um, but I think we're hovering around 17 artists right now. Um, and that's from solo acts to groups and things like that. And we encompass music from R&B to hip hop to instrumental music to uh, like post-rock with Cave of Swords and uh, we're just really experimental electronic music. I think all of it is based in electronics. Most of it's produced through some kind of computer, but a lot of our uh, musicians uh, do play instruments. They just produce everything through like Ableton or uh, Pro Tools or something like that. So where can people go to get more info or to subscribe or, or get involved with uh, Farfetched? Where can they get info on that? Sure, just go to wearefarfetched.net. Um, we are pretty much We Are Farfetched across all platforms. If you want to find us on social media, um, that is our main website, and that'll take you to uh, the videos and the music and the different artists that are all on the collective. And, and what about the fellowship? How do people get connected to this? Besides, besides just walking down the street and walking in. Yeah. Right? yeah. You can't miss it. It's a big church right on the corner of uh, Jefferson and Potomac. But if you're looking for it online, look for the fellowship STL online, um, the fellowship STL.com and then fellowship STL on Facebook. And what's next? What are your plans for the rest of this building? I mean, the basement's incredible, but we're outside looking at the stained glass windows, for instance. What's the status of the rest of the building? What do you hope to do with that? So it's still in development. I know the owner of the building would like to put in uh, 
heating and AC upstairs. I think we can do some creative things with maybe some heat panels and things like that, just to like heat and cool the space. But I definitely want to make that into another space for art and music. What I've been doing is researching online churches that have been converted into music spaces. And so there's a couple in Nashville and Atlanta that I, I want to visit later this year just driving, but I know the, the biggest one is in like Portland. There's also one in San Francisco that I'd like to visit uh, just to see what they did to change the sound because right now you know if you go up there it's it's designed to make the human voice sound godly so there's a really crazy echo um but if they built in there somebody has has figured that out so I, what i want to do now is do some research and development on on the upper space and just continue to run the the lower spaces community space and around art and music all right, Darian Wigfall, thank you so much for taking some time. Thanks for having us out here at the Fellowship over in uh, just outside Cherokee. We'll be right back. We'll find out if Missouri can really be a top 10 technology state within five years. That's up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. All right, welcome back to Nothing Impossible. We're going to jump right into an interview Michael did with Ted Abernathy. He is with Economic Leadership LLC, talking about the landscape of St. Louis's tech. We've seen anecdotally, you know, uh, Wallet Hub or Forbes will say St. Louis is one of the fastest growing tech job cities. And with those, it's kind of hard that you got to peel back the data, take a look at how they figured this out. What did you come across in terms of where Missouri stands in terms of tech jobs? So we start by defining tech and the National Tech Association, Tech America, defined that a few years ago as certain NAICS codes. So certain very specific codes. We looked at 95 of them, uh, measured every state the same. So there's no... There's no apples and oranges here. And what we found is not only has Missouri been growing among the top 15 fastest tech industry jobs, but they also, we're projecting them to be in the top 10 over the next five years in those jobs. We look at it in terms of environmental tech, energy tech, uh, life science technology, and then what's called core IT, which is hardware, software, and communication. And what's the competition, I guess, or where do we stand in the, uh, the realm of, are we... You mentioned, you know, the top top five, top ten now and in the future. But um, you've got the, the kind of unassailable tech capitals like San Francisco that probably not going to touch. So who, who is in our class, so to speak? Well, I think it's interesting that the you're absolutely right. California, Massachusetts, near the top, North Carolina traditionally. Uh, but you're in the Midwest, and what we're seeing is a rise in certain places in the Midwest. So Minnesota does well, a few other places. You're the, among your neighbors, you're the one that's doing the best here. And I think that that's attributable to the corporate makeup of the state, the fact that you're strong across all those sectors we talked about. So you're growing. And then for us, one of the, the strangest things we found, we weren't expecting it, is that your technology manufacturing, while the country's actually seeing uh, efficiencies and automation cut the job numbers, your number's up about 30%. So you're adding a lot of real good pay over $100,000 a year tech manufacturing jobs. And that's been a surprise, but also one of those things you can really build on. I guess that's that goes along with what we hear about manufacturing going uh, the way of not as many people in the factory, but more people with more skills 
driving the computers that are making the things in the factory. I mean, what are the types of things that we're building here in the St. Louis area and in, and in Missouri that's causing that kind of an increase? So you're building airplanes and cars, but you're also building pharmaceuticals and biologicals and enzymes and all those things that uh, are really high value. So you're correct that overall, nationally, the numbers of manufacturing jobs, uh, if you go post-recession back to pre-recession are down. They've actually come up in the last few years, but there's no doubt that what's really happening is the output from manufacturing is moving much faster than the job growth. That's automation, that's efficiency, but it also means that those workers need those higher skills and their wages are going up uh, commensurate with that. So again, run down the list of sectors that we're strong in or that we have the opportunity to really corner the market on uh, in Missouri. I know in St. Louis, we've got these, these incubator and accelerator programs like Yield Lab and 630 and Stadia Ventures, which have to do with specific industries. They do. And uh, so I think that as, the, as everybody becomes more technological, as you move forward, your ag tech and life science tech is a huge advantage for you. But also probably in the future, fintech, which is hard to classify right now, but is part of the, the whole IT side of this. Uh, your IT jump has, it's about 50% of the state's uh, technology is in hardware, software, and communication. You're growing fast there. So the, the most exciting thing that we found in the data is that you have have, uh, opportunities across all of technology and then our report looks at the industry but it also looks at the occupations so one of the things that's changing is that every industry is technological so we only found about a third of the jobs in technology in the state are actually in tech companies the other two-thirds are in companies that are not classified as tech but they're technology jobs yeah, Panera makes sandwiches, but they've also gotten louder on Wall Street for their technology, you know, the apps and their supply chain and that sort of thing. Yeah, data analytics and those kind of things. So, you know, the St. Louis Blues has tech people in the back that somehow or another we think are hockey or recreation, but they're actually tech occupations. And so this report looks at both. It's hard to walk over between the two because they're different federal databases, but we do both in the report and it'll, the back, uh, the back of it, unlike a lot of those uh, other reports, you can see exactly what industries we're talking about. We list everything and it's a math thing that we hope we'll do over the years so that we can benchmark, are we doing better? Who are we doing better against? What do we need to do differently? And then use the assets of the Missouri Chamber to try to make sure that the policy uh, environment in Jeff City matches what the technology industry needs. So it sounds like overall things are going well, but what, what's uh, got the opportunity to clog up the gears or you know, what do we need to put oil on right now? What could Missouri do better to really supercharge and you mentioned get into that top five? Yeah, technology, the, the main thing that everybody needs is talent. So uh, this dovetails, the reason this dovetailed right after the Missouri 2030 workforce report is uh, to fuel tech industry, you need tech talent. So you have to have that. There's certainly capital. The good news is capital's been going up in the state, but it still takes capital to do that. And it takes an environment uh, with infrastructure, whether that's broadband, whether whatever the infrastructure happens to be that fuels that technology company. Some of that can come through legislation, through government. Uh, new investment dollars, not necessarily. Uh, workforce, you got to get educational institutions, higher education, working together, especially with the companies. H how do you really get in there and... Uh, 
and beyond what you can force through government, get those other things to work well. Yeah, I don't think that uh, the Missouri Chamber starts with government has all the solutions. So uh, we start with that you have to have partners. So the federation that's been created by the Missouri 2030 plan has 150 of the chambers all across the state. So ground troops, if you will, to make sure that it's happening all over. It does take uh, the recruitment of companies, but it takes a lot of work to make sure that companies that are here have what they need in order to expand. So some of its policy, some of its core infrastructure, some of it's how you change those education institutions to make sure that the skills that are needed are what we're teaching. So unfortunately, it's a lot of things, uh, but that's what's happening with our competitors. So for Missouri to stay competitive, that's what we need to do here. I, I read in the description about this uh, for the presentation today, that this also seems like it's a sales document for companies or investors or any other stakeholders who might be thinking about Missouri or maybe St. Louis has come across their desk and they've thought, well, why, why there? This is kind of a, a document to bolster their impressions of the state? Yeah, it's a branding document, there's no doubt. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a pretty geeky branding document. So we'll start with that. It's a lot of data, so uh, we're not, we're not uh, you know, apologetic about that. But when people are looking at how do they find a place where they can find talent, that is a place where they can operate affordably, where their talent can live affordably. Uh, today, San Francisco and Boston and LA might not be those choices. Uh, you, you know, uh, you and I couldn't find a place to live there. And uh, so now can we put a company in the Midwest, can we put up a company in St. Louis where we can have talent come and they can live a high quality of life and we can also run a tech company that is world class and world connected. So the, there's opportunity here. The idea was to let people know that not only is there opportunity, people are being successful and they could be too. Anything I haven't asked about or anything else that's in this report that you think is really important you want to pick out and highlight? I think that uh, the fact that Missouri is doing so well, and a lot of the neighbors aren't, so it's not, you know, you're in the neighborhood and things are wonderful in the, in the neighborhood. It's that Missouri's done a lot of things correctly over a period of time, and that's resulted in two very strong metro areas and a lot of places around the state. We, we did work for, you know, and, and have data for every county. So it's not every county that has tech, but a lot of them have technology jobs. And even the jobs, as I said earlier, that we don't see as technology jobs, those occupations are there growing. Almost every county in the state, the tech occupation will continue to grow over the next five years. So uh, keep at it, uh, tell the world what you're doing, and uh, more good things will happen. All right, so we know what the tech landscape's going to look like in the next five to seven years, but what does your street lands uh, look like? Are there potholes in St. Louis County? There's a new 311 app. Learn more about it next on Nothing Impossible. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. A new service from St. Louis County government that takes advantage of technology to get services to people faster. And joining us is Mike Hoffey, who's the call center manager for the new Gateway 311. Mike, thank you for joining us. Great. Glad to be here. Thank you. What are the different services that people, is it if they've got a pothole in their street or they've got a question about their taxes or what are some examples of uh, some of the questions that people could get answers to or problems they could get solutions to by either downloading this app or, or by calling in? One of the neat things about 301 is that we are able to serve citizens and answer questions regarding any department across St. Louis County. We consider our, our team members super subject matter experts, and we're focused on first contact resolution. So you could be asking a question about transportation, health, elections, parks, public works, and we're able to s solve that problem, deal with that issue, and answer that question for you 
without moving you over to that specific department. Talk about the mobile app, uh, how that was created, and the features that are on there, and, and why it was important for St. Louis County to have a, a mobile app to access this. Well, we have, we have diverse audiences out there, and a big portion of our audience, uh, of our million citizens, want simpler and easier self-service solutions, and the mobile app is one of those things. So we're in the business of fewer phone calls, and the mobile app will allow a citizen to go on and find an answer to a frequently asked question without having to place a phone call. They'll be able to find an event or an activity in the county that maybe they want to attend or their family may want to attend without having to reach out to a department or go to a, a Facebook or a social media page. They're also able to set up an online service request to get something completed by one of our departments that previously you may have had to call that department to get that tree removed or that pothole filled or that stray animal rescued or deal with a property maintenance issue. So we're all about trying to deliver technology in a 21st century environment that makes it easier for citizens without having to place a phone call if necessary. And can people track then the progress or, or see any kind of updates or if there is a resolution, can they go back to that app and see whatever progress has been made on their request? Yeah, what's really neat about the online service request app is it keeps you up to date on what's going on. So you receive a message immediately once the service request is established. And then once the service request is completed, you'll get an email notification from the department that we've solved your problem. And again, that minimizes the need for a phone call. Yeah, I think people are real interested in, uh, in having all the information they can these days. They love seeing the dot on the map where their Amazon delivery is at this moment. How far away from me is it? Or Domino's has had great success with their tracker that says your pizza's in the oven right now. So people love that kind of transparency and, and, and being in the know about where their, their process stands. Mobile is huge. We use our mobile phone every day. We expect it to do things for us. And, and so we're in that space right now of figuring out how we can leverage mobile and expand our mobile app to even do more than what it's currently doing today. So we're really excited about it. The citizen feedback has been fantastic. They enjoy it as well. And uh, we're excited they're using it. And is there a chance that some of the municipalities within St. Louis County could also take part in this system too? Is, is the software scalable, I guess, so to speak? There is. Uh, we've had inquiries from municipalities that have said we'd love to jump on board and, and be part of this process. So we're, we're having dialogue with those, those communities about what that might look like because there is interest there. So I could say potentially sometime in the future, Alexa, tell St. Louis County to do something about that pothole in the middle of my street. And there's a potential that that could connect then to county government and Gateway 311. Exactly. Uh, voice command search is very popular, and we're right now talking with companies about implementing that so we can get those answers through voice command search to citizens to solve their problems again without having to make a phone call. Well, Mike, uh, remind people or run down the list, I guess, of uh, all the phone numbers that they could use to access this, uh, the, what they search for in the App Store, uh, any other ways. How do they access this Gateway 311 service? So right now, any citizen with a mobile device can go to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and find our app. It's called Gateway 311. They can download that for free, and they're immediately inside the app and able to start using it once they establish a profile. They can reach our contact center during uh, normal business hours, which are 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. They can dial 311 on their mobile app, or if they have a landline, they can dial 614 615 7311 
but 311 also works on a landline phone as well. All right, Mike Hoffey, the call center manager here for Gateway 311. Thanks for the tour and thanks for all the great info. Thanks so much. We really appreciate you coming out. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun with you from West County Center inside We the People with two of the co-founders of this retail concept. Ryan Sim, Managing Director. Nissan Chan, Managing Director. Ryan and Nissan, thank you both so much. Uh, first off, how do you describe this store that we're in? What is We the People? It's the future, basically. So what we get is a collection of crowdfunded products and startups that were made possible with the world. That's what crowdfunding is all about. And we bring in all different types of interesting ideas, inventions from all over the world, including St. Louis, into one place where something like this never ever existed before. Now you can see the things you see online now in a physical location. I've heard this described as, and you know, people love to do, oh, it's the Keurig of blank or it's the Uber of blank and make those comparisons. So I've heard this described as like the real world Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Would you say that that's a good description? That is very, very true to a certain aspect because now you get to see the same things you see online, but you can touch them now. What would you say are some of the coolest things in the store right now? And we can walk around and maybe you could point some out to me. But what do you think are the maybe the most novel or best-selling or whatever Whatever you think? Yep. Walk it over here. What is this? So this is called the Cup Cooler Instant. So basically, it looks like a... a what, what, what would I call this? There's it's a little platform. A, there's always a cup warmer, but never the cup cooler. So with this, you could chill your drinks in just less than 60 seconds. And if you want it to be extremely cold, it just takes you just five more minutes. It looks like it's one of those cup warmers. It's a little platform, and there's a, a bronze-colored uh, cup that's on top of it right now. And 60 seconds, it, it gets it cool. It's like a coaster on steroids. Very cool. Uh, what else do we have here? And, and these are, you said some are from St. Louis, but... These could be from anywhere in the world, really. So we have... Let me show you something from St. Louis. Perfect. We did talk uh, a few months ago with Akeem Shannon from Flip... Oh, Flipstick, here it is right here. St. Louis success story. That's right. So Flipstick has been phenomenal. Um, They brought a very good product into the region. So basically, they're after the phone market, the phone accessory market. What you do is you stick it on your phone... You take it out, you can stick it on. You can now stick the phone onto any surface, any wall, anything. Um, and once you take it off from the wall, you can wash it. The thing is that it's washable and transferable. Using a new new substance, a new mixture to uh, to create that stick, but without leaving the residue. That's right. So that, that technology is actually from NASA. Um, so NASA used that same stickiness technology to stick down their wires in the shuttles, but now they reformulated it and used it for a phone accessory. Very cool. Solving a problem that people face all the time. When it comes to uh, some of the other items in here, maybe a couple more examples of if people come out to West County Center and they go to We the People, what they'll run into. So this is the, well, Masterbox. It's actually a fidget presenter. I know some of you guys, actually a lot of you guys would remember the fidget cube or the fidget spinner. So I want you to think about the fidget cube, the same thing, but now it's a presenter. So what you get is a ball, which is a mouse. You also get left and right clicks. You can hear the clicks there. Yeah. You get an up and down page scroll. 
We even have a laser pointer because it's a presenter. You can tell people what to look at. And it also comes equipped with a SD card reader. If you're using a Samsung, right, you can read your SD card. So here's the added benefit. And this, let me tell you what this is for. So first-time presenters can be quite nervous all the time, right? So having a fidget cube to talk about um, can calm down their nerves. At the same time, the audience won't be looking at their faces. They'll be looking at their hand. That's what it's for. It's a tool. It's a gray cube. It's small, so it fits in the palm of your hand. It's not like it's a uh, Rubik's Cube that you know, you're going to be f- really fidgeting around with, and it's got all these buttons on it for control of whatever presentation you're making. Yeah, that's right. So it has well, six different surfaces. Um, you probably have seen the fidget cube around. So you can hear that these are the tactile, surf- tactile sounds that you can make. Yeah, that's pretty much what it does. Where is this, the company that made this, or the startup that made this, where are they from? They're from Toronto. Wonderful. And each of these products has uh, the location. This one's from East Palo Alto, California, Silicon Valley, Singapore, Chicago. And We the People has uh, roots in Singapore, correct? Yep, that's right. We're actually based in Singapore. Uh, we have about four main stores in Singapore. Our biggest one is about 5,000 square feet. It's huge. Uh, we have a very big offering of products. But here's the interesting thing. Most of the products there are from the U.S. So, hence, we decided, hey, it's about time we should open up in the U.S. because most of the creators are here. Right, that's why we open up. And this is the first one in the country, St. Louis. Are malls, do you think, the route that you want to go for retail locations, at least in the United States? Is that still... Because people see the stories about all the, the retailers going out of business, whether they're in strip malls or shopping malls. But is this still the place for you to be? That's right. So we've got to work with the correct malls at the same time. So I know a lot of them are not doing super well. Um, we have to find the right partners with the right vision. Uh, West County Mall is the perfect place for us. Uh, they're doing a stellar job at keeping the good flow of people coming all the time. So... Yes, mall environment works for us. And why St. Louis? Why this metro area for the first foray into the United States? I mean, why not, guys? Why? Why not? Okay, so St. Louis is right, almost right smack in the center of the country, right? And we do have plans to expand our efforts to other locations later on. Um, not, sure, not so sure where yet, but it's a lot easier to build the infrastructure from the heart. And then we expand forward from there. Um, when it comes to trucking, training, logistics, and everything is a bit more cost-efficient over here. So could St. Louis maybe be the you know, distribution center when you open these other stores in other parts of the country? You've got the centrally located uh, place here, and so uh, it seems like you could maybe use this as, as the hub as you open stores elsewhere in the country. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what the plan is. This will be the heart that pumps the blood throughout the whole country when we have more stores so this will support everything i'm interested in how you come across all of these products how you find them how do you d- determine which ones make the cut um do you just endlessly kind of scroll through those websites where people list their products or do you go to startup incubators or how do you find this stuff i think it's a mixture of everything we get like two hundred thousand products on kickstarter and indiegogo so we receive countless messages as well as emails daily from creators so we get samples we try we test we want to ensure that the products that we sell in the store it's safe for customers we want to ensure that they are paying something that is worth their money it's value for money so that's what we want to be with kickstarter products i think there's a lack of trust sometimes when people see them online but in the physical store in a physical in a physical context i think people get to try they get to touch they get to experience our customer service so that's why people buy them 
I guess that is the the ability to come in, and that might be what saves retail, brick and mortar retail is people want to be able to whether it's clothes, try it on, or for these these products, especially a presentation cube. I'd never used one of those or seen one of those before. I'd probably want to try it out before I bought one. Yes, it is. Um, I think it gives people the confidence. It gives people the knowledge as well as the experience. So um, they want to have someone speak to them about the technical aspects. They want people to, you know, provide them a service that they feel comfortable in spending. Because, uh, I mean, we get a range of products that you see online, but... When you receive them, it's, you know, not so good. But here, you know that we have a team that provides you uh, after-customer care service that allows you to feel safe. What's been the response from customers here in St. Louis as you've moved from just getting started with a kind of a pop-up shop, a little impromptu shop, to this permanent location? Uh, What's the response been? Do you have any kind of, you know, sales metrics that you use to measure success? Or how do you determine whether, you know, the St. Louis... Uh, location is has been successful for you. Well, for us, it's very clear and simple. It's just how often people come back to the store, not to the store in one month. And right now in St. Louis, I see the same people coming back at least four times a month to us buy new stuff, not to return to buy new stuff and return. And return yeah, no, to buy new stuff specifically, and it's it's phenomenal because it's not something that we ever expected anywhere in the world. So to us, that's a great measure of success. And then from the other perspective, the folks who are making, whether it's these RFID protection wallets that we're looking at here or these uh, cool watches, what are these? Uh, The everyday watch, whether it's whatever these products are, how is this helping these creators? Uh, And what's been the response from them? I guess if you're getting all these pitches, the word's getting out and they want in on this, right? All right. So how we work with creators is... A portion of uh, whatever we sell here, that money goes back to them to continue creating. But here's the more important thing. So what we do for creators is the service. Uh, when I say service, is the way we do our retail. It's, it's the only reason why we're surviving here. We do retail in a very different way, a different light. We make sure that when you buy something from the store, you know who created it, um, and you will fall in love with the brand. It's not, it will never be pushed down to you. In that way, so when you buy something here, you bring it home with pride. You're happy to have it, um, and that's great for the creators because that's building brand equity for them, and that's our goal. We are here to build brands. We're not here to push products. No, we're not here to earn excessive amount of money. We're here to put, build brands. That's what we're for. Nason, Ryan, thank you both so much for giving me the tour of the store here. And where can people go uh, if they want to go online and find some more information? Or where in West County Center are we located right now? Where can they find you in this mall? All right, well, we're on the second floor of West County Center. Uh, you can find us right across American Eagle. So that's pretty easy to find. So don't worry about it. We're quite near the food court as well. Uh, our website is http colon slash slash store. USA.com. WPTStoreUSA.com. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. So you can get things uh, that you see online prior to Kickstarter. You can actually buy them in the mall now. That is pretty cool. And you know what else has been cool? Doing the show outside and in the basement of St. Matthew's, now the fellowship over in Cherokee. Yeah, we're at Jefferson and Potomac. The Cherokee statue is just a block away. A lot of people out on the sidewalks here. And as we heard earlier, this place is becoming a community focal point, gathering point for them. 
it's, it's really cool to see these churches repurposed. And, you know, a lot of things in St. Louis, especially as we look at the tech landscape, where this town and this city is all about repurposing uh, itself and, and finding a new vision. And, you know, this, this show does that every week, I like to think. Yeah, the fellowship is an underground venue, you could say, at the moment. But uh, can't wait to check back in with Darian and find out what happens with the rest of this beautiful building. And you should check back in with us next week as we do another show of Nothing Impossible. See you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.